This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger, and I don't think I've said it in the last two episodes, but yet we've been doing this Advent Christmas theme. Merry Christmas! Oh my goodness, it's almost here, and I can't believe it. That's just a little bit crazy. But Merry Christmas to you, and I will say it again at the end of the show, but Merry, Merry Christmas. All right, ladies, as you may recall, what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks is we've we've had kind of an Advent theme, not kind of, it has been an Advent theme, because I started thinking about Advent and Advent wreaths, which as a, as a kid, I attended uh, mainline denomination churches, and so we lit the Advent candle in church every week. You know, it was part of the service, and I always thought it was kind of cool. I never really understood what we were doing or what each candle meant, but it was part of Christmas. And that kind of fell out of my experience as I grew up and as I attended different churches, more non-denominational churches, and, um, and we've talked about how some churches maybe frown upon or look down upon other churches or Christians who might um, acknowledge the season of Advent or even do something like light an Advent wreath. I'm not advocating for going out and buying a wreath or anything like that. Like, that's not what this is about. If you have an Advent wreath, I think that's fantastic. If you want to get one, I think that's great. I don't have one right now. I would kind of like to get one. So maybe next year, um, because I just love what it symbolizes. And it's not um, prescribed in scripture, but it's also not condemned. And it's just a great way, I think, to bring the focus back to this, this season of Advent and what that really means. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not about the candles on a wreath. It's just that's what's guiding my thoughts in this um, particular little mini-series that we're doing. Um, so we talked about how there are uh, four or five candles, kind of depending on um, how things go. So there's the, the candle of hope is the first candle. Um, that's also the prophecy candle. There's the candle of peace or preparation is the second candle. And then there's the candle of joy, uh, which is also known sometimes as the shepherd candle. And I think we saw that. We read through Luke 2 and how um, the angel brought good news, glad tidings of great joy. Um, we saw that there uh, in the last episode with that third candle, which, as we mentioned, if you're looking at the wreath, typically the candles around the wreath are purple, but the candle, the joy candle, is pink, just to kind of stand out from the somber reflection along the way and remind us of the joy that, um, that comes at Christmas. And so we come to the fourth candle today, ladies, and we're actually going to discuss the fifth candle as well. The fourth candle on the outside of the wreath is symbolic of love sometimes also called the angel candle. And then that candle in the center, it's oftentimes white. That's the Christ candle, as you might imagine. And I think it's appropriate to talk about um, these two candles together um, because Christ, of course, embodies love and um, he is 
love and he can give love like no other can. So first on that love candle, the fourth candle, we see so much active agape love in the Christmas story alone. If you think about it, um, what love Joseph must have had for Mary, you know, he didn't want to do to her what would normally be done if a woman was found pregnant. Like, she should have been stoned. He didn't want that for her. I have to think he loved her. Um, the love that we see that Mary has for Jesus, for her for her child while he's in the womb, after he's born, all through his life, you know, we see that, that, that love that a mother has for her son. And of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but shall have eternal life. That is the ultimate love that God had for the world in sending his son. Of course, as with all of these themes, hope and peace and joy, love is a prominent theme throughout scripture. And it's not this like lovey-dovey hallmark, you know, oh, the snow is falling and now I love you, even though we just argued 20 minutes ago. Um, let's kiss and make up at the end. That, that's not what this is about. This is just a, a very true, sincere, active, agape love. And we see different kinds of love throughout scripture, of course, but this love that God has for his people is so active and that is seen, as we just said, no better than in the fact that he sent his son to earth to live as a man, die the death that we deserve, so that we can be reconciled to God and have peace with God and have eternal life. And there's a chapter in the Bible, often known as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to turn there. Used at a lot of weddings, things like that. Doesn't really fit if you, in that context, if you read it. But, you know, whatever. We are who we are, so that's what we do. 1 Corinthians 13, let's read it first and then we'll talk about it. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It's not a typical Christmas passage, is it? Now, if you remember, ladies, the last two episodes, I have recommended to you a couple of Advent devotionals, and one of those is written by Sinclair Ferguson, and it's called Love Came Down at Christmas. And it's a devotional that is actually 
based on 1 Corinthians 13. He walks us through 1 Corinthians 13, if you do this as an Advent devotional, which I highly recommend, and he gives, he will give you, Sinclair Ferguson will give you such a different perspective on the concept of love and on this chapter and what it really means. So first I want to read you from the um, introduction of his book because, sorry, that's producer Charlie, um, because it gives you a sense of of what he is getting at here in his devotional, Sinclair Ferguson. So he wants you, he asks the reader to read 1 Corinthians 13, which we just did. And he says, read the chapter again, but this time in the second paragraph, when you see the word love or it, substitute the name Jesus and read to the end. And I'm not going to necessarily do that here today, ladies, but I would encourage you to go back and do that. I'll, I'll start you off so you kind of understand what we're doing here. Verse 4, Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And you would go on till the end. You can also read that um, and substitute your own name, which I know we're not supposed to do it, but here's why he's saying that. He's saying these two ways of reading the passage go together. The first tells us what we are called to be as Christians. So he asked you to actually read it with your own name first. So that tells you, if you read it as your own name, tells you what we are called to be as Christians. Aaron is patient and kind. Aaron does not envy or boast. Aaron is not arrogant or rude. Woo, are we all doing that? But the second way, tells us what Jesus is like because he is the only one who can do that. He's the only one that you can say that about. Ferguson writes, in the days leading up to Christmas, we are going to walk through this passage line by line and explore what it means. Why choose this passage for Advent, someone might ask. 1 Corinthians 13 is among the best-known chapters in the Bible. Quotations from it or references to it appear in some unexpected places. Bob Dylan alluded to it in his song, Dignity, released in 1994. Prince Charles read it at Diana's funeral service in 1997. President Obama referred to it in his first inaugural speech in 2009. Perhaps no words have been read more frequently at wedding services than these. But when you slow them down, says Ferguson, and read them phrase by phrase and apply them to yourself, they transpose into a different key altogether. They cease to be rhetorically pleasing and emotionally soothing. Instead, they become an analysis of your spiritual life. They are deeply challenging. Perhaps that's not what we expect at Christmas time, but the real meaning of the Christmas story is challenging. It is about love coming down, and it makes us think about love in a new way. And that's why I love, no pun intended, this particular devotional. He, Ferguson explains to us how it is that love, love incarnate came down at Christmas and it will force you in a great way to think about love in a different way. He says later in the first chapter, he says if 1 Corinthians 13 contains a description of love, it must ultimately be a description of Jesus. I mean, isn't that true? And that's something that we don't necessarily think about. Ultimately, he says, love is being like Jesus. It silences all noisy gongs, clanging cymbals, and self-amplification systems. Real love always comes down. We know that because love came down at Christmas. 
And so I'm not going to read the whole Ferguson devotional to you because that would take forever and it would be silly. But I encourage you to pick this up, ladies, and I encourage you to think about love in a new way. Um, read 1 Corinthians 13 with Christmas eyes. Um, this is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is love incarnate. And there is no greater picture of that than of God sending him for his people. And so then we move into the Christ candle, the center candle of the Advent wreath. And, you know, all the talk about candles, and we haven't really talked about what candles do, and that's they provide light, right? Well, who is the light of the world? Well, I think, I think that's Jesus. And so when I look at that center candle, and I think of it as the Christ candle, I think of Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a promise that is. Think about John 1. You know, John is the one gospel that doesn't really have that Christmas story that we're used to, but it kind of does. If you look at those first verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. He is the light of the world. And only through him can we have the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that is represented by the other candles that surround him because Jesus Christ is the only one who can truly supply those for us. And that Christ candle, that center, that is what Advent is all about. That is what Christmas is all about. That is what our entire lives are about. And that's why I think it's so cool to, to spend these days and weeks leading up to Christmas focusing on that. Whatever method you use, if you have a devotional, an Advent calendar, a wreath, or it's just something that, you know, you just do it without an extra tool. That's okay, too. None of those things are good or bad or, you know, they're all neutral depending on how we use them. But it's so key in the world in which we live to be keeping that focus this time of year and to not lose sight of what we are celebrating. And as I've been saying, as we remember and celebrate his first advent, 
we also look forward and anticipate his second advent because he is coming again, ladies. This time, he's coming very differently than he came the first time. I don't know when that's going to be. If it's going to be next week, next year, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, I have no idea. But Jesus Christ is coming again. Why? How do I know that that's true? Because God has fulfilled in Christ all of the prophecies from that first coming. And God has promised that he will come again. Jesus has said that he will come again. And when Jesus makes a promise, Jesus makes good on that promise. So he is coming back. And so that's my parting thought. I don't really have a separate endorsement today or an encouragement other than to say, just have a Merry Christmas with your family. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the celebration of Christ's birth. And as a parting thought, ladies, I just encourage you to keep that second coming, the promise of that second coming in view. It gives you that hope and that joy and that peace in a world that is trying to suck those away from you. But they, they can't, the world can't take that from you if it's been given to you from God. All right, ladies, that is all for today. We're going to take a Christmas break for a few weeks. Until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm.